Welcome to Tactically Acquired. Our goal is to document military-connected living history in a fun and easy environment. We will capture the stories of our active duty, guard, reservists, veterans, ROTC, and their families, sharing their stories, adventures, and journeys across the military life cycle. The podcast is for anyone interested in joining the military, has been part of the military, or wishes to learn more about military life. In addition, we want to bridge the growing military-civilian divide through education. This is unfiltered, meaning we'll go over the good, the bad, and yes, maybe even the ugly of being a military-connected individual. I'm your host, Rusty Martis, a retired Air Force Mustang and OEF veteran, and I run the Veterans Resource Station at North Kentucky University. My special guest today is NKU student and in the Kentucky National Guard. We get into that just a bit, but first, welcome to the show, and thank you for taking time to get together and talk about your living history. To get started, can you please state your name and branch of service? My name is Second Lieutenant Emily O'Connor. Um, I'm with the Kentucky Army National Guard. Why did you choose the Army? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, my dad actually didn't want me to join the Army. He wanted me to go Air Guard. Okay. He's like, you'll be the safest there. Well, you know I'm um, retired Air Force, right? So I'm not yeah. going to argue if your dad here. But <laughs> yeah. you chose to go to the Army, which is yeah. cool. Um, I think it was a combination of I'd seen a lot of the men in my family um, do it, but I'd never seen a woman do it. Mm. So to be the first would have been cool. Absolutely. But I think my main drive was to finish school and have someone to pay for it, honestly. Absolutely. Um, so I really enjoyed the GI Bill. Right. That's a great benefit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you said you're a second lieutenant. So... Obviously, it, well, for those that don't know, to be a second lieutenant, you have to be a commissioned officer. Commissioned mm-hmm. basically means you have to have a degree. Yep. So you obviously had a degree before you came to NKU. Mm-hmm. So where did you go to school before then? Um, I went to University of the Cumberlands okay. down in Williamsburg, Kentucky. Awesome. Um, I majored in history and political science, and I minored in military sciences. Yeah, so did you... Do ROTC or anything um, like that? Or? So that's a really interesting question. I was originally enlisted. Okay. Um, I enlisted as an E3. And then I went to basic training, AIT. And then I came back to school. And I didn't really understand what ROTC was. And they had just opened up the program. And they were like, oh, do you want to join? And I was like, oh, more military stuff. Right. Perfect. Um, No. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, they were like, well, just take the class. Like, we need the numbers really bad. Like, we're still a satellite of EKU's program. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll take the class. It should be easy. No problem at all. Um, And so it was in 2021, they finally won me over. And I signed actually on my birthday mm. to become a cadet and then um, I commissioned in 2022. Well congratulations yeah. and uh, you had AIT just to clarify it's just your mm-hmm. an, your training to yep. be your job yeah. uh, but you had already went to basic training mm-hmm. your training so getting into those military science classes this it kind was, of was your mindset of, oh, well, this should be pretty. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty easy. Um, compatriots were all former football players. Yeah. Um, and so I already knew how to do the map work. I already knew how to um, lead. I knew, like, the platoon structure. Like, it wasn't anything new to me. Right. Up until probably about my senior year when um, 
we started going over more of the leadership skills and more of the, you know, how do you take an entire ragtag group of people and plan out their entire semester? Absolutely. And I think that gave me a lot of really good interpersonal skills. You hit a lot of great things that I want to go back and talk okay. about. First of all, you went to the University of Cumberland. Mm-hmm. And while you were there, you mm-hmm. chose to go to join the Army. Yeah. Is that correct? after my freshman year. After your freshman year. So mm-hmm. you took, did you get the summer to go do that, or did you have to take some time away from school? Um, yeah, I did. Um, and that was really hard for me uh, pride-wise. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed my time in AIT and basic training, and... I was able to join the semester of my sophomore year, I believe. Okay. And so how long were you gone in between that time frame? How long was basic training and AIT? Was Um, it combined? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't know they had a summer program Mm -hmm. where all you had to do was go to basic training. I wish I had known because then I could have continued with school, but I think about nine months. About nine months. Yeah. So significant amount of time mm-hmm. then. So that's great advice for anybody that's out there that's looking to go join the Kentucky Army National Guard, maybe for some of those education benefits that you mm-hmm. kind of mentioned. We'll delve into that a little bit more. But there is a, you can go either route. You can go yeah. to the summer program or you can go and yeah. just knock it all out at mm-hmm. once. So that's good information to have. So what did you end up um, doing as a job on your enlisted side then? Yeah, I was a 42 Alpha. So that is your human resources specialist. Okay. And as an officer? Um, I'm actually an AG officer. So I'm in charge of 42 alphas now. There you go. Okay. Yeah. So it flowed right into what <laughs> mm-hmm. you kind of already learned. Yeah. Therefore. I really enjoyed helping soldiers. And um, I wanted to continue doing that as an officer. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you could go back, and I know it hasn't been that long, because I think you said <laughs> you uh, became a lieutenant in... 2022. 22, so... It's been about a year now. About a year now. But if you go back to basic training, before Mm -hmm. you even left to go to basic training, what advice would you give yourself before you left? The drill sergeants, they were like, your recruiters lied to you. And I was like, no, Sergeant (laughs) Kelly was pretty upfront about all of this. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I just kind of let life happen to me. Mm And so, like, I didn't know that people actually studied to go to basic training. Um, they were like the Army song. And I was like, the what? <laughs> you guys sound like nerds right now. <laughs> like, I wish I had, I don't know, put a little bit more thought into um, my life, maybe the lifestyle that I was about to accept, the career routes that I was going to take, um, and what it was going to do for me later in life mm-hmm. versus... You know, I was just 19 when I joined. So um, looking back, 24-year-old me is like, "Mm, maybe you should have thought this through a little bit more um, and gotten some more information before you went. Got So get all the information up front. But it's not like your recruiter was pretty straightforward. Oh, yeah. did a great job setting you up for success. I still talk to her. She's lovely. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you you ran off. You joined the Army. Mm -hmm. You did nine months. You came back to school. Mm -hmm. Now you got some of those uh, benefits that you were talking about. What kind Mm -hmm. of benefits did you get when you got back then? Um, So there's the state tuition assistance. Mm -hmm. Um, Kentucky does it. I don't know if anyone else does. But um, you get, I think, 100% tuition assistance um, for a public school. And then I believe it's 50% tuition assistance for private schools. So um, at Cumberland, since it's a private institution, I did only get a certain amount of tuition help, but it covered almost everything. Okay. And then whatever wasn't covered, um, 
by tuition assistance was used with uh, the GI Bill. Absolutely. And then kind of to your point, you have to check with each of your state's guard programs to see what they do offer because they can vary somewhat. Mm -hmm. In the state of Kentucky, it's 100% paid for at a public university, as you mentioned before. Mm -hmm. So then you come back, you go back into school, Mm -hmm. they convince you to go ROTC. Um, What kind of benefits did you get at that point in time once you joined or signed the diet line, as you put it? Um, I think the best option to take, there's many options with ROTC. Um, There's scholarships, there's like some delayed learning education programs. But what I chose, because I was already a guardsman who had been through basic and AIT, I chose to do the SMP route, which I think is probably probably the most useful option that ROTC does offer. Because you get to work with a, um, with a unit, you get to see how it works, um, how it's commanded, um, you get to be mentored by a command team. Mm-hmm while also getting your time in service. I have a coworker, um, she's also a lieutenant, and um, she just signed up. She didn't go the S&P route, she didn't do any of that. And my time in service is actually much longer than hers. And so um, that means at the end of the day, I get more retirement, I'll get more benefits out of it. Mm-hmm. So where did you go to go the first time? Go, go, I said. But where did you uh, go to basic training at AIT as an enlisted member? I went to Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And how was that? Um, it was not Relax in Jackson. No? No, not at all. Um, I actually enjoyed basic more than AIT. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Why is that? AIT, they had just reintroduced drill sergeants back into AIT. Mm. And our drill sergeants were, they were a piece of work. Right. Um, they were like, you're all 42 alphas, but you're going to know how to be a soldier. And I was like, I, I think I already know how to do that. I think I'm fine. <laughs> but, oh, they worked us to the bone. <laughs> so when you got back to the University of Cumberland then, you had mentioned earlier that Cumberland was a satellite RTC mm-hmm. program to Eastern Kentucky University. Yeah. Was that the case for them when you joined them? Yes. As well. What was that experience like? Because we're very similar here at NKU as okay. our satellite program is at Xavier for Army, mm-hmm. Air Force is at UC. So I'm just curious okay. to get how that worked Yeah, um, it was a very different, um, very, very different experience. Um, so we, Cumberland's had an ROTC program back in the early 2000s. Um, in fact, the major that was my instructor last year had graduated from that program. But they got rid of it because there was really no interest in it. And a lot of our pop student population, were stu- they were student athletes. Mm. And because of that, you know, they were focused on being athletes. Then recently, they decided that there was enough interest in the program that they were going to bring down EKUs, some of their instructors, to head this program and, you know, get people interested. Um, so when I started, it was Major Moore. He was working his hardest to make sure that people came to class and that there were people interested. Um, and I think overall, out of all the MS 1s, 2s, 3s, that there were probably about 20 of us. Okay. Um, and so he's just like, please just come to a class. <laughs> Check and it out. And I was like, I just don't want to do more Army stuff. All right. And he was like, please. So eventually, you know, they got a hold of me 
And in my MS4 class, there were only six of us. So MS, just so those that don't know, MS1 is a freshman, MS2, sophomore, junior, and senior is MS4. Yeah. So I'm sorry, you said how many was in your MS4 class? Um, six. Six. So you were running the whole wing oh, with yeah. six of you. As opposed to EKUs, um, I want to say like 12. And then, you know, bigger programs like UK had like 20 plus. Right. So it was a very small program. So then because you had already went to basic training as an enlisted member, mm -hmm. um, did you have to do any additional kind of like basic training in ROTC or? Um, so I had to go to the senior advanced camp. Okay. Um, or I think it is just advanced camp. Um, and that's for transitioning from MS3, so your junior, mm -hmm. to the MS4s. And so that basically gauges, you know, what branch are you going to go into and are you even ready to be a lieutenant? Do you know anything? So there was that and that was over the summer. It was, I believe, 38 days. I would rather go to basic training as opposed really? to that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I thought they could never pay me to go to basic again. And then it was, <laughs> then I went to advanced camp. Wow. So yeah, that was, we did that training and then we've had a few like FTXs, so... FTX being field training exercise. Mm -hmm. So where was your training then for ROTC? Your... Um, it was at Fort Knox. Fort Knox, yeah. okay. So at least it was in the state of Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now at that time, mm -hmm. before you went or even after, when did it, because when you go to, through ROTC, Reserve Officer Training Corps, mm -hmm. in the Army, you kind of have different ways that you can go. Yeah. You can go active mm -hmm. guard reserves i mm -hmm. believe um when did you know or choose to go the route that you chose um i chose the guard obviously um and i have always been education focused um i wanted my degree and i knew i wanted to go further with my degree so i knew that having a civilian life was going to be the best thing for me um, I also have some family obligations with my parents and with some of my siblings where it's, it just made the most sense to go to, to have that civilian life. A little more flexibility option. for yeah. you and everything like that. Yeah. Did you make that decision before you went to that advanced camp or after? I think it had always been something I knew okay. that I wanted, you know, I'm like, I'm the oldest kid, mm -hmm. you know, I have my family to take care of. Um, I have all this ambition in the world of history and poli-sci. So I just knew that, I think the National Guard was gonna be for me. Right, so after you graduated then, you mm -hmm. signed basically your active yeah. guard, or mm -hmm. Kentucky National Guard contract mm -hmm. to be a second lieutenant. Did you, then did you have to go to additional schooling? I do, I actually am going to be going in July. Okay. AG Bullock is backed up so far that it's like in 2025 now. So you're just waiting for your class slots mm -hmm. to come in. Yep. So what are you doing in the meantime then? And talk, if you don't mind, kind yeah. of sharing what it means to be uh, Kentucky National Guard and what that looks like for someone that's thinking about joining. Yeah, um, in the meantime, I'm going to school. Um, I'm in a master's program. I work at the Nancy and Wolf Holocaust and Humanity Center. So that's a really fun position and really something that I enjoy doing. But on the military side, I'm currently with a field artillery brigade. I'm in their S1, so I get to see the soldiers, I get to interact with them on a personal level and also on an HR level. And so with COVID, we deployed a lot of medical personnel. Um, with the tornadoes that swept through Western Kentucky, we deployed a lot of people and I've had a hand in all of it. 
Nice. And S1 being supply um, Um, through the Army? Yeah, I think S1, it's more of like the headquarters. Okay. So moving personnel, um, moving equipment, figuring out if we have the right number, that kind of thing. Awesome. And where are you based out of then? Um, Lexington. Okay. Okay. And uh, and like you said, you had a, a big hand in not only... The situation with COVID and the mm-hmm. activation of the guard units, but also with the tornadoes and everything else mm-hmm. that's occurred. Yeah, when the natural that. disasters occur or, you know, when the government needs us and calls upon us, we're there. Okay. So I think a lot of people kind of get um, the National Guard confused a little bit with the reserves. Mm-hmm. But Kentucky National Guard falls under the state. Yeah. But you could be activated mm-hmm. from on a federal level as well. Yeah. Yeah. So we... When you first swear in, you have to swear in to the governor, and then you have to also swear in to the, uni- the presidency. So and you see, that's have, something I never knew. Yeah, you yeah. have both of those loyalties. Mm-hmm. You know, if any <laughs> federal activity happened, that way you yeah. might get activated. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the riots in Louisville. Riots um, in Louisville. There were some activations there. You, with the National Guard, they kind of have a cycle where you get deployed um, abroad. So like Jordan, um, other Middle Eastern areas, usually. Or you can do your annual training in like Poland or Germany someplace. Absolutely. Depending on what they need you to do. Yeah. You had mentioned that you are now in the master's program. Mm -hmm. So you're here at NKU. Why NKU and what degree program are you going? Um, Well, I'm in the public history program. I chose NKU by a fluke. (laughs) That seems to be the running theme of my life. Um, (laughs) So my friend, he worked with me at the Holocaust Center, and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I want to do. I know I want to keep going, but I don't know, you know, what is a viable career path for history? And he was like, oh, it's like public history. You can run museums. You can be a part of like living history. And then... um, he introduced me to Dr. Hackett, and I was in the program. There you go. So yeah, and and you had mentioned a little earlier that uh, it was a pretty quick turnaround for you. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was the week that school started, and I was like, "Hey, Dr. Hackett, I know you don't know me, but can I please join?" And I did. And they got so, you in. They yeah, got you in. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Well, because you're uh, a history. Uh, and poli-sci major, mm-hmm. and because you're in your bachelor's program with it, and because it's Women <laughs> History Month. Is there any women in history that kind of motivated you to go that direction or be the person that you are? I wouldn't say it's one particular person. I've never... My, my favorite version of history is old, old history, like ancient Greece, ancient Rome, all the way up to probably about the American founding, and then I lose a lot of interest. (laughs) What I would say is that my inspiration as a woman is getting to know history and then getting to see that a lot of women weren't afforded opportunities that I Mm -hmm. have now. Well, even being in the military, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Very recent history. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad was in the National Guard and in the army in general, back in the 1970s, like right after Vietnam. And, you know, his basic training class was one of the first ones where they introduced women. And the fact that it's so close to home. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. So, I mean, getting to do things that 
my female predecessors didn't get to do, get an education, join the military, um, just overall be a member of society, be a very strong member of society. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of my motivation with it. Yeah, that's awesome, by yeah. the way. <laughs> that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. You mentioned that your dad was in the service as well. Mm-hmm. It, did that help kind of guide you to go the direction that you did, or was it really because they, um, Sergeant Kelly and some of the others that you mentioned? Um, that it was mainly because, um, well, with him, it was I knew what BS to expect. There you go. <laughs> I definitely knew what to expect. He'd tell me little snippets, and now it's like he'll ask me how drill went, and I'm like, oh, you'll never believe. He's like, oh, have I got a story for you. <laughs> so... So it's almost a bonding aspect yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So talk, if you don't mind, and I'm throwing you on the spot here, but talk a little bit about what you do at the History Museum that you work at because it. I don't know if everybody knows that that's local and how inspiring it is that oh, that's definitely. here. definitely. So the Nancy and David Wolf Holocaust Humanity Center, um, it is a local education center and museum. Um, it's located in Cincinnati at Union Terminal, and it basically tells the stories of local survivors who came through Union Terminal from occupied Europe, and yeah, so in the 1980s, he had been reading the newspaper, and he saw that people were denying the Holocaust, and he couldn't possibly believe it. He was like, how? How? Like, what I lived through, what my family lived through, what my friends and my community lived through. He was like, how, how could anyone deny this? And so it was him and other local Holocaust survivors who created the organization with the hopes of educating on the, on the Holocaust and how to prevent any other political violence that would happen in the future. And so um, what we do is we, you know, we have the general public come in, um, but we also do a lot of school tours mm-hmm. just in hopes of educating and showing them where we came from and where we hope to be yeah absolutely yeah it's it's if you've never been go yeah um and there's some remarkable stories Mm -hmm. that come out of that and things that just you can't believe they occurred in recent quote-unquote history yeah yeah it's shocking there are some phenomenal stories and in fact there's a hundred year old Holocaust survivor Al Miller, mm-hmm. um, and he is also a veteran. Yes, so. and and that's how I know about this whole thing. Really? Is Al Miller used to come and speak? We used mm-hmm. to do these events, and I worked for the nonprofit world called Veteran Reflections, and he has spoke oh, wow. at them before. And yeah. so I've had some pictures and stuff that I've actually had with them. So. Wow, he's yeah. still spry. He's still kicking. Yeah, um, that's awesome. <laughs> he yep. walks every day, so he still does um, speaker stuff and wow. um, talks to school groups a lot. That's that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, he is an amazing, and like you said, he is a veteran oh, yeah. as well. So mm-hmm. I appreciate you you telling us that and sharing that. Um, if you could give advice to someone that's kind of on the fence, um, you were kind of on the fence, right? Yeah. Especially being an officer. Yeah. What would you kind of tell them? I think everyone's experience is going to be different. Um, you really just have to kind of Go with the flow. Let, you know, basic training is going to suck. AIT is probably going to suck if you have drill sergeants. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Military life sucks, um, but they always tell you to embrace the suck. And Mm -hmm. honestly, it helps me through my civilian 
civilian career, um, my life in general, just, you know, you embrace the suck and you get out of it and you keep going. For a lot of female soldiers, um, I would say, can I, um, are we allowed to say curse words at all? Yeah, sure. Okay. We can beep you out if it's okay. really bad, but oh, right. yeah, we're, we're comfortable this. with, yes. Um, don't be afraid to be called a Okay. Honestly, I've had to do a lot of growing and a lot of growing up with the military. And even though they're making big changes right now um, for women in other marginalized groups within the military, um, it's still a long way to go. Yeah. Um, and it's an ongoing struggle, and it's a really rough cycle. And if you are afraid of being direct, if you're afraid of, you know, your soldiers whispering behind your back saying, oh, she's, why is she yelling? She sounds like such a, you know, don't, don't be, um, (laughs) you don't owe it to anyone and who cares, you know, um, whether you're a soldier or you're an officer, honestly, can't be afraid to be called a, it's going to happen either way. (laughs) So you might as well be safe and be taken care of versus, other horrible situations right yeah well that makes me mad <laughs> yeah. my wife is a retired military yeah. as well and i was just having a conversation with my daughter last night mm-hmm. actually uh, a, a little different situation she's not in the military mm-hmm. she's a civilian she's going through some um an issue at work not to get into it but yep. there are some things that are going on and i what i was telling her is you gotta look at yourself know your self-worth mm-hmm. know your truth Definitely. Right? You and her yeah. are educated. You bring everything to the table. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that uh, derogatory comment is not a reflection on you, but a reflection on them mm-hmm. and where they didn't achieve or what they didn't do. Definitely. Um, so know your truth. Know your self-worth. You're doing amazing. Yeah. You're definitely successful. <laughs> and, and keep kicking it, right? Keep yeah. Keep kicking it. Definitely. Um, so I'm sorry that uh, that you're kind of going through that or I've heard mm-hmm. that or seen that, but you seem like you, you got a good, great head on your shoulders. Yep. Um, I've I've had some really great female mentors just tell you, you know, you know, back in my day we used to pistol, <laughs> you know, like she um she's like, "Yeah, you used to be able to threaten people, and now <laughs> she's like, "Don't ever let anyone walk all over you." Mm, great and advice. Yeah. Just yeah, you can't you can't be afraid of that stigma. Well, and that you it's a great great segue into my kind of my next mm-hmm. question was, have you come across any um Anybody in the military that's kind of uh, been a coach, been a mentor, someone that you mm-hmm. just kind of respected or kind of looked up to? Yeah, I have. She just recently re- recently retired. Um, her name is Mass Sergeant Acosta. She had been in for 20-some years, and she was she's amazing. You know, in the AG world, she knew everything, or she could tell you where to find it off the top of her head. She's phenomenal, and she's always given some of the best advice. She's She's like, my time is short here. I'm about to retire. But, you know, you you can't be afraid of them. Um, you can't let anyone walk all over you. I think another one would be Major Corrigan. He worked, he was my cadre at, at EKU's RTC program. Mm-hmm. He He's phenomenal. He taught me not just um, how to be an officer, how to lead, how to do, you know, do what the military does. Mm-hmm. But also, he really did coach me through some really tough times. He is just phenomenal. Um, and he taught me that, you know, you need to be not just, you need to guide your soldiers. He taught me those interpersonal skills where, yeah, no, you need to watch out for them. 
you know, if you're getting a call in the middle of the night from one of your guys, like, just check up on them. Check up on your people. Make sure they're okay. And I've taken that with me throughout the civilian world and the military. You know, if I know one of my guys is um, having a tough time at home, you know, you check up on them. Or one of my girls, she's going through something, then check up on her. Yeah, he's, he said, you know, but while you're doing that, you also need to guard your heart. Right. You need to make sure that you're okay, too. Because there's going to be those times where you're all alone as an officer. And, you know, you need to check up on, on yourself, too. Absolutely. Yeah. So just there's some of the best people out Absolutely. there. Yeah, I, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that. It's just, uh, it just so happens I'm reading a book uh, called Dare to Lead, mm-hmm. and it's by Brene Brown, and she has done a lot of research and a lot of consultant work with both the military and the civilian side. Mm-hmm. And she shares a story within there um, about a colonel who was doing a commander's call, and one of the soldiers stood up and said, and it wasn't a soldier, it was an airman, it was the Air mm-hmm. Force, but uh, stood up and says, you know, what's our ops tempo going to slow down because we're just so tired and frustrated mm-hmm. with it. And when she delved into it, and it, and it talks about Dare to Lead being, being able to, to ask and talk about the tough questions, mm-hmm. what they found out, it wasn't necessarily the ops tempo, it mm-hmm. was the feeling of loneliness. Yeah. And you mentioned that. Yeah. And it's all, how important it is the from a leader to take care of your troops and make sure you ask the right questions yeah. and talk tough, the t- ask the tough questions, but also to take care of yourself, which is mm-hmm. everything that you mentioned about. So that, that that's brilliant. <laughs> good, so, good. so that's awesome that the, they set you up for success and that you're taking it to heart and you're, you're mm-hmm. practicing it in the real world and in the military world as well. Yeah. So congratulations I, on yeah. that. I will never forget the look on his face when he told me that. Yeah. Um, that'll stick with me forever. That's awesome. That's awesome. Any other types of experience that you went through that has kind of led you to the successful woman that you are today? I think it's just being the oldest kid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a great experience, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great managerial experience for yeah. sure. My parents just kind of let us go off and do whatever we needed. And I think that's probably one of the best things they could have done. Um, I've always been a very, very um, strong character. Mm-hmm. Eccentric is what my mom would say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think just um, allowing me the space to figure out what I need to do, figure out my next step, has always been really useful. So. And I didn't ask this earlier, but where are you from originally, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, actually. Okay, so then you chose yeah. to go to Cumberland, so you mm-hmm. chose early to kind of go... Yeah, yeah. Away, and then you made the decision to become a yeah. um, a soldier, mm-hmm. and then you made the decision to become a lieutenant. Yeah, and then you made the decision <laughs> to come to NKU get your master's. Yeah, so. and my parents have always, um, even when they have their own doubts and their own ideas and opinions, they've always let me explore the world. So, my mom's always right there next to me, saying, "Oh, I knew you could do that." <laughs> when I know she was definitely talking to my dad and me, like. I don't know about this. (laughs) So, yeah, they've always just let me be and just let me explore. I kind of love that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, just explore. Just go out and explore. Yeah. That's great. So with that, any uh, final thoughts, anything else that I failed to mention or any stories, success tips, Mm -hmm. uh, um, anything that you could tell someone to say, hey, you can do this as well? Um, I think if you're going the officer route, I've seen a lot of um, ROTC cadets um, not understand that personal element. Mm-hmm. There is always a personal element, um, whether you see it or not. Um, you never know what your soldiers are going through until you talk to them and you know them. 
And so I think my best advice is just know who you're around, know who you're, know who you're with. You know, make those friendships while keeping that personal boundary, I guess, mm-hmm. um, because you are an officer. Right. Um, and there has to be that disconnect. But always remember that they're people. Um, if that means, like, you have to stay over and do work while everyone else gets to go home, you do it. So, yeah, I think just always remember that personal element. That sounds like a servant leader to me. And you are a leader for sure. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to be part of us. And I think that's just a great way to end the show. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me.